the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, joining you from the lands of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples. Those are the Songhees and the Esquimalt First Nations in what's colonially known as Victoria, BC, Canada. This is the final episode of my seven-part mini-series on planetary magic and propitiation. I think it's been so fun. (laughs) I love it when, you know, you just kind of have an idea, you go on a whim, and then it becomes this whole magical thing. It was just so many more gifts for myself personally than I ever expected, and I hope you found it to be educational and informative and a lot of fun too. A lot of credit for all of this needs to go to my next guest for helping me bring it all together. E.T. Shipley is a consulting professional astrologer, a creative writer, and a ritual strategist. She weaves astrology with other tools to talk about collapse, social justice, relationality, death, culture. You know, I would, I'd say we're on a wavelength. (laughs) I'd say. Last year, I asked Erin to be a guest guide in the Numinous Network, offering astrology workshops to help folks manage key moments, and that has morphed into a seasonal offering we call the Astro Jam. People gather with Erin to jam about the cosmic weather and all things magical and ritual to do with that. And when I had the idea for an Astro Magic miniseries, I immediately thought to ask Erin who she would recommend as guests. So if you particularly enjoyed the episodes with Meg Keane and Kristen Mathis, they talked about Jupiter and Venus, respectively. You can specifically thank Erin for working her magic there to bring those connections to me, make that happen for us. Erin's writing about astrology is always poetic and profound. It's gentle, but unflinching, always very useful. I think she has just the right vibe to help us really understand what it is that Saturn is trying to teach us and to not be afraid of those lessons. And even if you're still not quite ready to engage directly with Saturn after this, I I know you'll find this episode to be good preparation for the time when Eventually, Saturn calls you and you don't have a choice anymore. Hi, Erin. I'm excited you're on this show and excited to ask you this question. What identities do you lead with? Oh, thanks for having me, Carmen. It's good to be here. Those identities are always changing. Um, so I guess I would start by saying that I am a student of life and of change. I am a, in a more practical sense, a white, queer, Jewish woman. I'm a settler on the lands that I'm on, which are the lands of the Aptos, Oyubi, Katoni, Owaswas, Sayanta-speaking peoples. I... Today, I feel like a force of nature. And since we're talking about astrology, I'll mention that I have Uranus on my ascendant, uh, which is a sky god and a god of storms. And sometimes I think about the way that those outer planets really speak through us. I'm an astrologer. I'm also a teacher and a writer. And I'm a mirror. Mm. And a creative. It's nice to think about the ways that my chart also gives me names for who I am. I'm also a dog mom and a wife and a daughter and a sister and a friend Mm. and a guide. That's good enough for now. Mm. There's a lot. Those are a lot. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I am thrilled to have you here to talk to us about Saturn. Saturn is one of those planets that I think a lot of people can find a little tricky. Um, some people, even if they they might really embody Saturnian qualities, will will even still feel kind of put off by them. I find <laughs> it's like really you seem so Saturn, and yet you you don't really relate, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I, I don't. I, I don't, I don't say that with any, um, derogatory intent or anything like that, but I, I just find that Saturnian qualities can be, um, embraced by certain parts of our society that I think people in our sphere anyway, would outwardly reject or mm. would outwardly resist. And yet we can embody and perpetuate these like Saturnian qualities and so learning how to work with Saturn for me personally has been um, probably the most difficult of all the mm -hmm. planets to be like, how will I channel this um, teachings, th these teachings, this body of work that is that I would consider Saturnian into something positive and resourcing for myself and my community Um I found it a little bit harder to find resources on that, uh, but mm -hmm. you've helped me understand Saturn in some different ways. So why don't you tell us in your perspective, what does Saturn represent in astrology? What does it rule or relate to? Hmm. There's so many ways to answer this question. Thank you for that opening. And I do think that Saturn does inspire some fear. Uh, mm -hmm. though there's reason for that as well. Um, on a really basic level, Saturn in astrology represents time and limits and boundaries and foundations and solidity. And on a less basic level I think that Saturn represents everything and the reason that I say that Saturn represents everything has very much to do with the work of Kristen Mathis who is as I understand it guesting on another planet for this series um, and she is in the process of translating all 87 Orth Orphic hymns. Um, Orphism was a, like, I guess you could call it a religion, set of initiation rites. Uh, and the, the Orphic hymns, there are obviously more than seven Orphic hymns, and there are only seven traditional planets. But, um, the Orphic hymns contain a lot of information about what the ancient Greeks understood the planets to represent. And she breaks down the myth of Saturn's uh, origination, uh, which is, I'll give like a little bit of a content or trigger warning for those listening, because there is a little bit of graphic uh information in the in the myth so Uranus who I spoke of earlier Uranus the sky god and Gaia were lovers and they had many children together and Uranus in the myth would not stop having sex with Gaia and Gaia was like I'm stopped up with children I need to release them and so she plotted with Saturn or Kronos uh, to come to, you know, arrive at Uranus's downfall. And so Saturn took a sickle or a scythe and castrated Uranus. And uh, from Uranus's semen, which was thrown into the ocean, Venus was born, but that's a story for another time. Uh, but 
like that's the myth. Then Gaia was able to birth all of her children and all of the Titans came out of Gaia and Saturn came to be the, the new ruler of the heavens. And what we see here in this myth is the description of the birth of the world. Because when Saturn, time, cut into Uranus space, he literally carved time out of space. And so the time-space continuum, so to speak, was created. And everything that came after that, uh, Saturn also ended up swallowing a bunch of his children. So there's, there's this interesting theme of the fathers um, or parents having children inside them but we might think of ourselves as existing in time and space. Like we are all Saturn's children hmm. uh, existing inside of him. And we see this in the Saturn being like the furthest traditional planet from the sun, representing the limit or the boundary of the solar system or the boundary of space. We see that in the rings of Saturn. So the... Um, in, in one of the myths, he's associated with Ion, who created the Zodiac, but the ring of the Zodiac. So there's, uh, there's this common theme where Saturn is everything. <laughs> and I think it's, I was thinking in preparation for this podcast episode about Saturn's association with the color black and how black is all of the colors and also how black is the color of the night sky and what it means to be inside space mm. on earth so just as like a really zoomed out perspective for people who are approaching saturn from a place of fear and wanting to change their relationship to saturn they might consider Saturn as like the original ancestor hmm. or Saturn as the god of everything, the god of all things um, without Saturn. And many of the other myths around the time that either preceded or followed Kronos, uh, like gods that Kronos was associated with, like Enki, who uh, was a, I believe, Sumerian god, uh, created the mold for humans, <laughs> uh, who's associated with Saturn. So like, we wouldn't exist without Saturn. Hmm. And in that sense, I like to think of Saturn as like a, as like a great, 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 great grandfather. And, you know, times a thousand <laughs> greats. <laughs> So when developing a relationship with Saturn, the first thing that I would say to people is to think about your way, your, your furthest back ancestor, your wisest spiritual self, the one that's had many centuries of wisdom to glean from the world, from like being a tiny little cell to becoming human and how much gnosis we find in in that space in the space of the the extent of that kind of time and when we're propitiating saturn or asking saturn for help it's nice to tap into like your eldest, wisest, most mature self, like your, you know, if you're a woman or you identify as a woman or you identify with crone as part of your future or um, elder ruler or sovereign in your future, like what would your most wise, most mature, most experienced, most sovereign
self do in any particular situation. Hmm. And the last thing I'll say is Saturn is like, does cause some trouble and some fear because Saturn has seen some shit. Like most of the, uh, the Vedic myths of Saturn, like the ideas about what happens when we have Saturn transits, like our, our Saturn return or a Saturn square or Saturn over a luminary. It is because Saturn represents limits. We get whittled down like a piece of wood to like bare bones. Saturn represents skin and bones. It's not fun, <laughs> but it is crystallizing. It is uh, self-defining. It forces us to really look at if we if we cut this back, if we put cut back the growth as much as we could like what would be left and still have like some seed to grow something from mm. what is your relationship with Saturn like like in what circumstances in your life have you been like "Ooh, Saturn very much at play very much at a foot here I think maybe I need to you know refocus my um spiritual life or my intention or you know my life like what am I doing right now I need to um, listen to Saturn or enlist Saturn's um, favor mm. that's a good question I think the first like the first thing that comes to mind is boundaries mm. like if I'm giving too much of myself or if I'm uh feeling afraid or insecure, or if I'm feeling um, like I'm moving too fast or like I don't know what I'm doing, it's usually a sign that I don't, that my boundaries aren't like clear for myself. And a boundary being something that you set for yourself and respect yourself, like not something that you set for other people and expect them to respect because everything around us is constantly changing. And so like understanding like where are my limits and if I'm negotiating my limits, what what's the edge? Um, so I see Saturn working in my life in the sense of when I'm struggling with something, it's usually boundaries. Mm. Sometimes time, but I think the struggle with time is more it's more grand because it's the type of time that Saturn represents is is very it's like magnanimous hmm. so do you mean like deep time is yeah that what you mean? okay yeah so it's like the struggle is more being forced to wait <laughs> Mm. as opposed to moving too fast or like maybe I'm moving too fast and I have to slow down and I see Saturn working by like forcing me to slow down mm. I think um if I feel lost self-definition is a um is something that I might seek with Saturn and again, that comes back to boundaries. Where am I not saying no? Mm. Where am I not creating the space for myself or for something that I say is important to me? Because I think Saturn, for me, Saturn represents the things that I, like when I really take the time to sit with them, they're the things that I know I have to do. Mm. Not they're not a choice that I'm making, even though I like agentfully make the choice every day to like stay in a certain job or write a newsletter when I'm really tired or actually go choose to go to sleep or, you know, stay in a certain relationship or say something like speak up about something that I'm 
I know is going to cause conflict or tension. It's the kind of choice that like, I feel the sort of push to do the right thing, to be accountable to, to the vision that I have of myself Mm. that I would be proud of. Mm. It's like, I think a lot of the time that also requires slowing down to even know what that is and and to, and to stay with the trouble long enough to understand how to approach like a hard situation. Mm. Um, Like I know Saturn is present if things are really hard, which is, people might not like hearing that, but that like, that is the reality that if something is difficult and like hard isn't like a hard edge but also um hard as in challenging or like an obstacle like you know Saturn's the obstacle in the road right like laborious so Saturn is also associated as like the father of the harvest or father time so there's like two things in that um, so first of all, it, Saturn can be associated with very patriarchal themes mm-hmm. and yet you brought in the crone as an example. So I'm curious about your relationship with Saturn and gender. Um, and then the second piece is this, uh, sort of transmutation or like a flipping of the script or a new perspective we can take if we really focus on the harvest aspect that if you mm-hmm. do the work and you you are committed and you keep the long-term goal and vision and um you know you are able to incorporate the the difficulties you will get the harvest that, that, that there is something very rewarding and gratifying about Saturn as well. So those are two themes I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on. Yeah. So gender is an interesting one. Um, the ancient Greeks did, they gendered planets and in certain planets were gendered more like strongly than others uh like Kristen Mathis says that gender is actually not that present in in the Orphic hymn to Aries to Mars uh it is but it's not like it's not like an important point whereas with Saturn actually the male gender was very important uh I can't remember what specifically she said about that but I think there as like father or original ancestor like this idea of like semen or seed being uh part of sort of the the birth of the cosmos being relevant for me I don't think that we have the same relationship to gender that the ancient Greeks did and I don't think we even have the same relationship to gender as the person sitting next to us. <laughs> so uh, I interchange them all the time. Uh, I do mostly refer to Saturn as he or she and not they. I don't know why. Uh, or I just don't think of gender. I'll say like sovereign or ruler or uh wise elder or just elder as opposed to like a term that even has gender in it and English is great in that a lot of personifying terms don't require gender so that's just my personal approach I don't really care uh and I I'm interested in what the ancient Greeks thought of gender more uh, for what the gender did than than like gender itself. So uh, I don't feel attached, I guess would be my answer. The, what was your second question? The Lord of the Harvest. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, so 
I think we like when we plant a garden even if we know what seeds we're planting we don't always know how the we don't know what the weather is going to be like which is interesting because Kronos was married to Rhea who is goddess of wind mm -hmm. and flow and ease um but specifically wind so we don't know what we don't know what the weather is going to be like we don't know how much water we're going to get uh, we don't know how the seeds are going to, or sprouts, like, influence each other. We don't know where the sun's always going to land perfectly. So when I think about Saturn as the harvest, I think about the daily, regular, consistent, quotidian, any array of terms that we have to show up for in a devotional way and adapt with uh, to get to the day where we are harvesting the fruits of our labors. And we don't always know what it's going to look like. And I think that ties back to Saturn as like God of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. As a gardener, I'm like everything that goes in to getting the giant pumpkin out of the seed. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like people, you, nobody can understand, you know, unless you're, unless you're doing it yourself, but yeah, it, it, it totally, I was thinking, oh, everything that goes into it, the God of everything. Yeah. So I think like, but also yes, the harvest, you know, Saturn, the scythe, um, mm. like cutting back the wheat uh, at the end of the season. And I think it's it's the accumulation of effort over time. Mm -hmm. And it's also the devotional relationship that we have with life. Mm -hmm. So how do you show up to your life every day? It's not like, did I do really well in that race? It's more like, what has my training looked like over the last like year, two years, three years to lead up to the marathon? Mm -hmm. And okay, maybe I have an off day, but I sprinted up the mountain last week. And that is a reflection of the muscles that I've been building and stretching and tending. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. over a long period of time so we we might say that Saturn can be about success it's not always about success it's not always sweet success but it definitely can be and that there are lessons around consistency and being comfortably anchored in the everyday maybe unsung or mundane activities or doing the difficult things in gentle or you know, um, consistent ways, you know, mm -hmm. in ways that make it doable for you. Yeah. How do you specifically then propitiate, uh, Saturn? How, how do you woo Saturn? What are the, what's the materia that you mm -hmm. use or the, the ritual? Yeah. So I, I don't know if I would recommend people start like if you're new to planetary propitiation or planetary relationship, I don't know if I would recommend starting with Saturn. Uh, I It's not that I wouldn't, it's just that you might prepare yourself for some things that might be hard that Saturn brings up. So just know that that, that can be something that comes up. That doesn't mean that it's going to. Uh, not everything that Saturn brings is hardness. A lot of it is success, it's ends of things, it's limits and boundaries. Uh, and it, again, it can bring you self-definition. That said, Saturn is one of my favorite planets to propitiate because Saturn doesn't require a lot. Mm. Uh, I think Saturn is very interested in us making do with what we have and not trying to be like 
not that you shouldn't go out and buy like a black candle or uh, a piece of iron or a stone that's associated with Saturn, but I think like the best tools for propitiation, if you are, if you are starting a Saturn practice are the tools that you have. And so that could be like a pen and a sheet of paper writing your own prayer to Saturn about what you think Saturn represents or what you want Saturn to represent to you or the most positive aspects of Saturn or what you envision the fruits of that labor to look like or how you envision the labor to look. Uh, I would start with a simple black cloth. I've purchased a lot of uh, materials at like the Goodwill and like thrift shops over the years or like a t-shirt that I cut. Saturn actually really likes things that have been discarded and um, that's or like things that get reused. Um, ash, incense, uh, the incense for the Orphic hymn to Saturn is Storax, which I don't know a ton about. Um, I believe that Saturn is associated with the number three, which I think is interesting. Um, that comes from a talismanic text that was given to me with a Saturn talisman. Uh, by Rain Mason of Idola Stellarum. And so sometimes I'll light three candles. Uh, Saturn really likes black or dark blue. So again, black or dark blue cloth, black or dark blue things on the altar, things that represent Saturn. Iron uh, is a Saturn um, metal. I wear rings. I actually put on all my rings for this podcast episode because they feel and very Saturnian. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but you could even just draw a ring and you can burn any incense if you want. Stones, like you, like black tourmaline maybe. Uh, also, I'm like looking over at my altar right now. <laughs> I have a piece of smoky quartz. I would just be really careful if you're using a black or blue stone, uh, a, if it's like a quartz or something that is usually sort of see-through, try to pick a stone that's actually solid because Saturn is solid. It represents reality. Um, and really what I do is I sit down, I try to time it so that it's the day or hour of Saturn so uh Saturn is Saturn day Saturn's day is Saturn Saturday and you'll always know that it's the hour of a planet if you get up at dawn on the day of that planet so the first hour of the day on Saturday is Saturn's hour but there's plenty of like apps that you can download on your phone that will tell you when the planetary hours are and there's lots more information about it on the internet if you want to look it up. Uh, so I'll try to light a few candles, set out a black cloth, maybe some things that represent Saturn. I'll read a prayer. I wrote a prayer to Saturn a long time ago that is my go-to at this point, or I'll use the Orphic hymn. Uh, my preference is Kristen Mathis's translation, which I believe is free to the public on her uh, on her Substack, which is Mysteria Mundi, mysteriamundi.substack.com. And you can kind of just start with that. But the other thing that you can do is you can just talk to Saturn. You can just say, hey, I'm struggling with this thing, or I want to talk to you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know what you're about. Can you show me? Or you can ask Saturn questions like, what can I do today to show up as my like widest, wisest eldest self? What can I, um, 
what can I do to reinforce my boundaries without putting up brick walls? <laughs> you know, what can I do to contribute to the harvest or a fruitful harvest of this thing that I really want? Uh, what limits do I need to observe today or this week or this month? Asking Saturnian questions is, and then just sit there and listen for the answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have some standard things that I will do. Like I have black cloth, but I also have black lace. I also have a black um, bowl that kind of has, it's it just has like two different depths to it that sort of reminds me of Saturn in the sense that there's like a sort of smaller inner part of the bowl. And then there's like a wide, shallow lip to it. And mm-hmm. so that's just like me kind of projecting that Saturnian shape onto it. And sometimes I fill that bowl um, with water. Um, sometimes I'll have seeds on my altar if it's that time of year. I also have, I'll also do like coffee or coffee beans, things that are like mm-hmm. strong and kind of, you know, like really like, yeah, have like a a, a, a strength to them yeah. <laughs> that kind this of thing. reminds me of um meg's uh inner meg keen's interview on i forget what the podcast is but she talks about blackberry and saturn mm-hmm. and because blackberry is so tannic and mm-hmm. like dries out your mouth and that mm-hmm. being a saturn uh a saturn plant yes a i also like black sesame seeds black sesame seed that sounds really good there's the the kind of prayer that I am often saying is usually something around like how can I bring this across the finish line and I will shift into Saturnian things when it's time for me to like wrap something up or culminate. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I had like some tricky Saturnian activity when my book was coming out. And that, um, so in that year leading up to it, 2022, I was, I was really kind of engaging more with Saturn, anticipating (laughs) that there was going to be like this kind of period where it might be hard for me to bring something to completion or, um, and, and lots of things happened in kind of like a couple of months, um, like right before, and then. Um, to the end of 2022, where I was like, "Mm, yeah, I I need to set like some, I can't actually complete in the way I would like to, because I have to honor this hard limit, or I have to honor this boundary. Um, So I I definitely, yeah, I definitely have specific times as well, when, you know, most of the year, I'm just like, hey, Saturn, you're so great. I respect you. You know, and I'm just like making offerings. I often, I also have um, a little iron um, pig figurine. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that comes from a myth or I just have the sense that pigs, because maybe it's like a tip to tail thing, that they are everything that, it, mm. that, that seems like a Saturnian offering there, you know, and pigs have often been a sacrificial offering. So I think of that as like, I'll put that figure there as a sign of respect. And so um, most of the year, I'm just offering respect. And then mm. sometimes, and and it'll also probably be this year, because it'll be like one year of my book being out in the world. And I want to like, kind of I want to mark that as like finish strong, you know, Mm, like finish that first year strong. Yeah, exactly. So marking time, that seems like another time when I'll probably be spending like most of my Saturdays in October, (laughs) giving my extra special attention to, to Saturn. That's awesome. Yeah. It's one of the things that you mentioned too, was like, propitiating Saturn to bring something to completion and I would also I love that and I would also suggest that people bring Saturn in at the beginning of something because Saturn represents the beginning of the time-space continuum if you're starting a project and you want like support creating a plan or developing like a structure like Saturn loves plans and structures 
there's also ways to propitiate Saturn that aren't just like sitting down in front of an altar. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest like, if you're wanting to develop an ongoing relationship with Saturn, you can go for walks along the barriers or hedges or boundaries of things. So like, it could be like walking around a um, the outside of a fence or along a hedge or along the coast, uh, just like on the edge of something. You could even look at your like county lines or like maybe the edge of the native land that you're on and figure out where those places are. You can, Saturn, is often associated with death. So you can go for walks in cemeteries and talk to Saturn and talk to the ancestors there and ask for support from, from the, the elders. Um, sometimes I'll go to the redwoods uh, because that's where I live. And I'll, cause I, those trees are so old. Uh, so if you have like old plants in the place where you live asking the plants as like a representative of Saturn for wisdom. Right. So like stones and counsel. mountains could be deep time, the deep yeah, time exactly. of Saturn. So also seeds skin. and starting and beginning, harvest and stuff at the end, boundaries and places that are edges and liminal, mm -hmm. deep time. What were you going to say about skin and bounds? Oh, just... Uh, because the skin is the boundary of the body, even just like, and Saturn is associated with oil and the oil press. Uh, if you look at the Vedic myths, uh, so oiling up your skin mm -hmm. is like taking good care of Saturn. Teeth too. Tattoo, like tattoo, I guess I as wrong. well, right? Yeah. Tattooing. I guess though that's because that lingers you know, I don't know I think that's true and there's something that feels very Martian about tattooing because of the needle so right I I guess it's both Mars and Saturn and Mars and Saturn which also brings me to the point that Mars and Saturn are the malefics in astrology and for anybody listening what that meant in ancient Greek was growth limiting because the, in an agricultural sense, because the planets were associated with qualities like um, the sun is hot and dry and Jupiter is warm and moist and Venus is warm and moist, depending on the author. Uh, Saturn and Mars represent extremes so Mars is extremely hot and dry and Saturn is extremely cold and dry. And those qualities limit growth because uh, extreme heat and dryness would be like a fire. Uh, and there's a place and time for that, like a controlled burn or uh, extreme cold and dry would be maybe be like a frost. Uh, so those things have a tendency to limit the growth of plants, but mm. that's also, that can be useful if like too much growth is cancerous. So right, if people want to incorporate those qualities of like cold and dry in terms of food or stones, or like, I don't know, maybe you go and you stand out in the cold air, completely naked in the middle of winter <laughs> and you say, Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's an option too <laughs> yeah so what would be an option if we were to enlist Saturn to help us with things like grief and rage I think the first thing that comes to mind is time grieving is not something that Rage might be might be more quick, but even rage is different than than anger. I think I think anger moves quickly, and I think rage is more solid, stays mm -hmm. longer, it's centered, and those emotions can be 
so profound that they take a long time to process. Actually love Saturn moons, like people who have a Capricorn or Aquarius moon take a really long time to process their feelings, <laughs> which I think is beautiful because it is a, and obviously that that's maybe not true of everyone with a Saturn moon because there's other things that can be happening with a chart, but it exemplifies something that is so countercultural or divergent from the conditioned norm of capitalism that tries to force us to rush through things and go back to work. And it takes time to be with grief. It doesn't ever fully disappear. You whittle it down. Hmm. So asking Saturn for the time or offering Saturn the time to be with those feelings, to stay with that trouble and to learn something from it or asking ancestors for help, uh, for wisdom about what those things are about, uh, depending on what you're grieving or what you're enraged over. And also paying attention to what's left once the feeling is, is, has mostly passed or is passing because Saturn has a way of like emptying us or breaking us down. Um, breaking down isn't even the right word for Saturn. I don't think it's like you cut things away. I really like whittling down, like whittling down mm. a piece of wood. It's laborious. Like those, those emotions take a really, they take a lot of effort to be with. And when we have experiences in life that cause us those feelings, the thing that is left at the end of that experience is not much but it's still a foundation from which to grow or something to be repaired. So asking Saturn for help staying with the trouble and asking Saturn to show us what is still there at the end, which is usually ourselves, stronger, like calcified, in touch with reality, asking Saturn for help, confronting the feeling and confronting the experience and being with the thing. Like that's Saturn's jam. That mm -hmm. like Saturn is not, will not turn away from the obstacle. Saturn is the obstacle. So like- Saturn is a good collapse deity. Yeah, absolutely. It's like 100% <laughs> like this is what's happening. We either- need to make space to cry or we don't have time for crying right now this is not the time for crying this is the time for hardening this is the time for like pulling ourselves together and also you can also ask Saturn for help to do the things that you have to do to survive in the space that you are grieving or raging like mm -hmm. as much as I would love to live in a world where we get to stop working when a loved one dies for example that's not most people's reality. Like we have to pay our bills in mm. order to, or, you know, we have to figure out a way to still access food and shelter and whatever it is that we need to survive. And mm. Saturn can be really helpful if you need a reality check. So like, help me be with this feeling and help me be in reality. Like that's something that we can recruit Saturn for. Mm. And help me trust that there's going to be something on the other side. Erin, mm. mm -hmm. thank you so much. This has been so rich and informative. And I really appreciate you being here to anchor our week of study with the planets. And um, as always, I look forward to more for folks who don't know this. You offer seasonal astro uh, astro jams, astrology jams, where you talk about like upcoming transits in the Numinous Network. So that's one place um, where people can have more of this kind of thing. Um, and we'll definitely put in the show notes, all the courses and um, how to get on your newsletters so people can get 
on your books if they want to have um, a session with you. Uh, but this has been a huge gift. And thank you for everything you've taught me about planetary magic and, and specifically also about Saturn um, in all the months leading up to this. It's been so valuable for me. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your gifts. Oh, thanks, Carmen. That means a lot coming from you. A lot of what I teach comes from your work as well. So the, the sentiment is mutual and I'm just so grateful to have gotten to share and be in this conversation with you. Hmm. Okay. Okay, Saturn. Saturn, okay. There, there we go. Not so bad, right? Some good stuff to incorporate into our awareness there certainly ways to approach a devotional practice with the greater malefic. Yeah. Or wow. Even if you're still wary of Saturn, I know Aaron can support your journey wherever you're at on your path or in your chart. You'll of course want to follow her on Instagram, but also get on her newsletter list. So then you're the first to know when she opens her books for readings. And thanks again to Aaron for working behind the scenes to make this Astro Magic mini-series so great. At least I think it was great. And I know so many people really loved it. So go show Erin some love by signing up for her newsletter. You'll find all the links in the show notes at numinouspodcast.com. My listener shout out today goes to Rowan Woodmiss, who reviewed the Numinous Podcasts on Apple Podcasts. They wrote, beautiful, grounded, realistic, and somehow still hope-giving podcast. Thank you, Carmen. Rowan, thank you for listening. I'm glad you feel that way. And if anyone else feels that way, your review in your podcast app really means a lot to me. It helps this show get found by people who want to know about a show that cross-pollinates magic, astrology, witchcraft, all of that stuff with trauma recovery, collapse, attachment, and polyvagal theory. There are more very cool people interested in very cool topics like we cover here on the Numinous Podcast. And your support in helping them to find us means a lot to me. So thanks again to Rowan. Thanks to all the folks who are looking right now at their podcast app, trying to find how do I leave a review and adding some kind words. I really appreciate that. If you're loving all this talk of planetary magic and, um, like you're the one who's looking for a place where people connect to cross-pollinate magic, astrology, and witchcraft with trauma recovery, collapse, and attachment, and polyvagal theory, come hang out with us in the Numinous Network. There are on-demand classes uh, in all of those topics, plus over 30 live sessions a month, and many of them are recorded. So it's pretty affordable, sliding scale pricing, with a holistic approach to trauma recovery that includes Stephen Porges' uh, Safe and Sound Protocol with your membership. So find out more about the Numinous Network at carmenspaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.